Good evening, my lord and master. It is my pleasure and it is my honor to serve you. I have but one talent. I tell stories. My name is Scheherazade. Bobby, oh, 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 bing bong, oh, 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 bing bing bing, born black. <laughs> Does that sound good? Yep, levels are good. The boys are back in brown. Yeah, <laughs> I'm having just a little bit. My new strategy is I'm going to watch these movies sober and take good notes. And then I'm going to be browned up when I talk about them. <laughs> okay. Browning it up. Yeah. Well, no one browned it up as much as uh, Edwin Brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the director of today's film. So uh, That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hi. Uh, uh, and Yeah, I have to commend you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I... Deserve more commendation. <laughs> when you're out there, give boss a little clap. He'll, but not the clap. He'll feel it, for sure. A clap, but not the clap. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, I don't know our audience that well. I don't know. I guess it, it all depends on how worth it it feels. What's worth it? Getting the clap? Not worth it. Usually talking not, about, probably. Talking about pornography is worth it every time. Yes, and uh, today if I can find my notes. we <laughs> today we have one of one of my favorite things, which is a sequel. Yeah, you love sequels. You love a franchise. Yeah, yeah. Your favorite franchise, I believe, is um, it's the Fast and Furious movies, right? <laughs> have you seen all of those? I have not. I've okay. seen the first two. And the last time that I saw one was whenever Too Fast, Too Furious was in the theaters. I saw it at the drive-in, and I was like, oh, that's fucking sick. They're heating this bucket up, and the rats are going to eat this man's stomach. Oh, yeah. I was like, that was the first time I'd seen that before. I was like, that's pretty cool, but... Then you watched a couple Nazi exploitation movies. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's where it came from, but... Vin Diesel didn't make that up. No, yeah. It was Diane Thorne. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and what a lovely she-wolf she was. Yeah, there's a franchise for you. Yeah, I love that franchise. Actually, you know, I've only seen the first one, so. I think you could just take a running, like a leap of faith on that one and just say you probably love them all. Yeah, probably. (laughs) What do you feel about today's franchise, which I don't, is this the last installment of this? Uh, Yes, I believe so. All right. Uh, Well, you know, I I think that this is really fun to talk about. Because it's a great example of the change in porn films in the 80s. Yeah. So even though there uh, are areas in which this film is definitely lacking, mm-hmm. uh, if nothing else, looking at these two films as a comparison is a very apt way 
to look at the change in yeah. stuff in the 80s. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. From the early Sorry, 80s. I'm having meandering thoughts at the moment. No, it's good. From like the early 80s to, uh, yeah, the late 80s where it went from like film to video. Right. And um, is, this, is this on film or was this video? This was on film. Okay, yeah. It kind of uh, so, looks like it. It's a little bit better quality than some of the other stuff we've seen from that point that uh, was, was on video. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, actually shot on film. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome did a Blu-ray release of this in the original, and uh, it looks great. Yeah, it does. It looks really nice. Um, but we kind of see, while this is still a, fi- a film and is certainly bigger budget than like what we would see in the later 80s on video, um, you can see the budget having taken a sharp uh, cut. It's been a significant, uh, significant diminishment of uh, budget. Yes, yeah. uh, but you still have some stars. Oh, you got a load of stars. Okay. We got uh, show favorite Francois Papillon as the Sultan Chaka Khan. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, but what good is a Sultan if he doesn't have the accompaniment of his uh, wizard, the judge? <laughs> Uh, played by Jamie Gillis. <laughs> yes, sorry. I was just thinking of the Wizard of Id and how much joy <laughs> that comic strip has given me over the years. <laughs> well, the Wizard of Id uh, didn't have a disco ball wand, though. No, he well, he does make like little. He makes dragons and stuff, though. He's he's all right. But he's he's no Jamie Gillis. <laughs> yes, I, I would say that the comparisons are lacking there. Yeah, I would say if they made sex in the comics too, Jamie Gillis would have been a good Wizard of Id. <laughs> uh, uh, no, he's great here. He's definitely a standout. Uh, we have Joey Silvera in a minor role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christara Barrington and Bunny Blue, who we've seen in several 80s films at this yeah. point. Uh, Patty Petit, who's come up a couple times. Yes, yes. And Tasty and uh, some other film I can't quite remember. but uh, We also have Nina Hartley, the famous. Yeah. Yes, the famous Nina Hartley. Also in a minor role here. Uh, but we have uh, Kelly Richards and uh, Carrie Fox, who I can't... Recall Carrie Fox in anything that we've seen, uh, or Karen Bree. Yeah, some of them aren't stars necessarily, but uh, they're they're really giving it their all for what the material calls for. They sure are. Let's um, let us look once again and gaze upon the ancient crystal and part the mists of time and look back. To see 1001 Erotic Nights 2. The, for, the fuck is it? It's like the Forbidden Stories? The Forbidden Tales. The Forbidden Tales. That's my introduction. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was, uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, this was also directed by Edwin Brown, who did the original. So There's that continuity there. That's good. That's nice to see. So we got some continuity there. Uh, the screenplay is from Summer Brown, who uh, was a producer on the film, and I'm assuming is probably his wife or something. I'm gonna say daughter. Daughter that that could be. Summer's a I feel like a daughter's name. 
Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, well, father and daughter working on porno together. It's no different than the bronze. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. He was writing those movies as a child, per IMDb. <laughs> uh, oof. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, kids got to do something. Kids just don't understand. And they say the darndest things. <laughs> Perhaps because they do not understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's wisdom there. As there are in the tales of Scheherazade in 1001 Erotic Nights 2. The Forbidden Tales. Yes, I did it. I nailed it that time. Are you going to cut out the first one? No. Okay. <laughs> um, um, what do you... Do you like Arabian Nights? In general, do you... I don't really fuck with them very much. Like, old... <laughs> Old Arabian tales and stuff. I don't really. I don't know how many actual old Arabian tales I've read. I will say that I know that like they've those sorts of tales have been adapted a million times, so I've seen them before. Yeah, but uh, like Aladdin. Yeah. Like Sinbad. Yeah. I like. Uh... I don't like Aladdin. I'm going to break. <laughs> I like Aladdin. No, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's fine. It's got... Uh, Did I bully you into that position? No. I didn't like the live action remake, though. I'll tell you that. Oh, I haven't seen that. It was, it was really long, and they added some songs. Did they, they do all the ones from the original? They did, I believe, all the ones from the original, and then they gave Jasmine a song about how she doesn't want to be silenced anymore. <laughs> Which I was like, all right, y'all are like leaning really hard on the, on that like, uh, like late 2010s, like representation kind of thing that was going on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little ham fisted, I think is my main problem with it. Yeah. You can, you can approach subjects like that in a child friendly movie, but you don't have to like hit the nail directly on the head. Yeah, yeah. I think she ends up getting, like, her voice taken away shortly after, too. I think that's, like, before she gets turned into, like, Jafar's slave for a while. So it didn't work out for her in the long run, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Walt Disney's a cruel bitch. Yeah, I think that's the moral lesson that we must derive from the tale of Aladdin, which is fully created and owned by Disney, I believe. Yes. Is he a third one where he meets his dad? I'm sure, I know that I did. I don't really remember it. I remember the first one incredibly well. The second one a little bit, but I don't remember the third like at all. Well, I know that I saw it though. There's a guy with a golden claw. He's oh. kind of a badass. His dad comes back. He's the he's Alibaba. He's the king of thieves. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a deadbeat dad. <laughs> So there's a lot of moral lessons to be taken from um, the Aladdin tales, I believe. I think that's really perhaps the purpose of the Arabian Nights. But I don't know. I haven't read them. And I never will. (laughs) Well, I'm happy that Edwin Brown was able to share some with us. So we can get like the important parts of it. And also some 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Okay. (laughs) There's a Bugs Bunny version of it. And that's why you don't have to read anymore, because there's usually a Bugs Bunny version of something, and you can just kind of like look at that and get a sense of uh, everything you need to know about it. Well, and if... In about 10 minutes or less. (laughs) Or if you want to take your time for it, there's almost definitely a porn version of it. Like Edwin Brown brought us yeah, with A Thousand and One Erotic Nights Part 2, The Forbidden Tales. I'm done reading. Done reading? I'm done reading. It's just going to be nothing but cartoons and porn from here on out. (laughs) That's it. Okay, well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about A Thousand and One Erotic Nights Part 2, The Forbidden Tales, and any other news that Jeremy's picked up. From comics or porn. Mm-hmm. Cartoons. Cartoons. Well, we were talking comics too. Comics and cartoons and porn. That's where. It... Or, or are you going to swear off comics? No, I need them. Okay. <laughs> Gotta have my daily laugh. <laughs> well, we'll, <laughs> we'll take our daily laugh into the break and come back and talk more about A Thousand and One Erotic Nights. Part two, The Forbidden Tales. Do you like me? I don't think I have a choice. I'm a servant. (laughs) I know how to make you feel like a king. Come with me. Have a seat. I love to make it big. Well, stand back. I don't know how big this thing gets. Oof. It's a monster. Is it too big? (laughs) Not for me. Turn me on, dead boss. (laughs) (laughs) A thousand and one. Erotic Nights Part 2, The Forbidden Tales, is the name of the film this week. I don't know. I knew that. They knew that. So, well, quit stalling and tell me a tale. <laughs> so, we open on a new Scheherazade, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Fox in this. Yes. Uh, replacing, was it Annette Haven in the first one, I believe? Yes, I do believe so. And John Leslie was the Sultan in the first one, right? Yes. 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 Kind of a superior crew. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah, yeah. Not bad substitutes, but uh, not quite the luminaries. Yeah, you know. Budget cuts are killing us. Killing us all. Damn inflation. Yeah. Budget cuts really are killing them because they reuse the same map and sand thing from the first film <laughs> and the credits. So, uh, yeah, we, it opens on Scheherazade introducing herself before cutting to the uh, title card and credits. And we're told, long ago, there lived a sultan whose name was Shaka Khan. We cut to our sultan, Francois, being serviced by three women. Uh, two are blowing him. And one, Sandy Summers, feeds him a grape or berry from her mouth. (laughs) We get some background about the kingdom, but the Sultan notes, talking to the camera, that sex is what they do best. 
Sandy Summers then leans in and starts licking his nipple as a fake white rabbit ripoff plays, mm-hmm. which I believe was in the first one. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, the other two ladies in the room here are Christara Barrington and Bunny Blue, uh, alongside the aforementioned Sandy Summers. We get a lot of Christara and Bunny blowing him in a semi close up. Man, there are some real tight close ups in this, though. Yeah, there really are. And Sandy joins in to assist after a bit. This continues for quite a while, with occasional cutaways to the Sultan's face enjoying himself, but mostly it's just a shot of his dick and the three ladies going at it. At one point, we get a real extreme close up, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, with. All the lips and tongues uh, licking across his dick. Yes, there's a lot going on. You can, like, count all of the veins in his dick. It is extremely close. It is, and there's also some slow-mo shots along the way as well. Yeah, they pull out all the tricks for this first scene. There's a lot of slow-mo, a lot of close-up. Those are the tricks. I used them all. After a bit, we see his face trembling, and we cut to a slow-mo shot. Uh, Bunny Blue stroking him as the other ladies are licking his cock. And uh, he comes. He sure does. He says, it's good to be the Sultan. The narrator explains, things weren't always this good. There was a time when there was no sex in the kingdom. We cut to the Sultan with Jamie Gillis, who is uh, credited as the judge. Uh, He can apparently do real magic using a disco ball magical rod to uh, summon an apple and a mouse. Yeah. The Sultan explains that he's bored and he can't even get off. So the judge hears his concerns and suggests a contest. They're going to find a girl with it, as they describe it. A girl that really gets to the Sultan. The Sultan is unsure about this, but the judge convinces him to... Let him give it a try. We cut to, uh, I guess, the town crier letting people know about the contest, uh, proclaiming that the Sultan's looking for a consort. Uh, We don't see the crowd that he's talking to, just him yelling. Yeah, well, there wasn't a crowd, buddy. Right. (laughs) Um, We cut then to Doria introducing herself to the judge. I think... It's important to say, I don't think he was a judge before this moment. <laughs> I think he's been assigned specifically to uh, judge these contestants for the, the it factor. Yeah, I, I've i I've been referring to him as the judge because that's what he's listed as on IMDb. But right. you're right in the sense that it appears he's like the kingdom sorcerer or something. Yeah, and he just kind of wormed his way into this because it was his idea. <laughs> right, which is a very Jamie Gillis idea. Yeah. But uh, one that's somehow successful. So, yes, we've uh, cut to Doria, who is played by Patty Petit. She introduces herself to the judge, and he asks her, what makes her think that she has it? And Doria explains, well, it's fellatio. She's really good at it. The judge demands that she show him. He waves his wand to make a doorway appear, and then try snapping and then clapping. And then finally he just points his thumb at the door and he makes a 
man appear, a man yeah. with a large cock named yeah. John Martin. Yeah, pantsless John Martin. Yes. He's got like uh, some stuff about his waist. Yes. But he is not wearing anything. There's like a series of straps and belts. Yes. <laughs> Doria tells the servant, John Martin, that she's going to make him feel good. She says she likes to make it big looking at his cock. He says to stand back because he doesn't know how big it'll get. We switch shots and she remarks that it is big. He asks if it's too big and she confirms that it is not. So Doria begins to blow the servant. This goes on for quite a bit and she starts to really throat it after a while. Uh, As the judge Looks on in great interest, as he, he should. Yes, he has very powerful eyebrows in this film. <laughs> yes, he does. They are pointing, they're both pointing like two different directions on the end. Yeah. Uh, she does seem to be quite talented in this particular field. After a bit, she finishes him off in her mouth and on her hands, and uh, she continues to lick and stroke his cock for a bit. We then move on to the next candidate in this contest, or candidates in this case. Oh. These are sisters played by Ray Andrew and Tammy White. Excellent. They say that they would be honored to be the Sultan's consort. The judge asks them what they're going to show him today, and they are going to tickle each other. Mm Mm-hmm. They get on a bed and start tickling each other and yelling as the judge watches on in delight. The girls are being playful and maybe a bit too childish. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There are teddy bears all over the bed. Which, yeah. Uh, this film doesn't take much care with its historical accuracy or period setting. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, they're wearing the equivalent of like long shirts at this point with nothing on underneath. So we see their asses popping out as they play around. Yeah, they're like short tunics. Something like that. Yeah. One sister says to the other to stop, so the other asks if her sister will kiss her. And so the sisters begin to kiss, first with some hesitation, but after that, uh, they start to point out the tingling sensations that they're feeling. They make out hard with one sister running her hands through the other's bush and then starting to stimulate her vagina. They undress and make out more, massaging and licking each other's nipples, and then we move on to Cunnilingus, which uh, progresses to them 69ing. Yeah, Jamie is drooling at one point while he's watching. <laughs> it's just like kind of hanging off his lip. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. They continue to 69 for a bit, and after they get off, uh, the judge claps and congratulates them and says that they're very cute, but... He explains that it wouldn't look right for them to be the Sultan's consort. Sultan has an image to maintain. It wouldn't look right. They do make sure that uh, they explain that they're adults who look younger than they actually are. Well, that's good. But, uh... He's still... It's a bad look. Bad optics. The next woman is Buffy Davis, uh, who uh, plays Ample. Boy, is she. Yes, as uh, the judge says when she introduces herself. Oh. She explains that she can lick and suck her large breasts, and indeed she does. She asks if the judge thinks the sultan would like her breasts. She mentions you can even tie them up. They look good tied. She then suggests that 
The best is when a guy straddles her and puts their cock between her breasts. The judge is intrigued by this. Ample says it's too bad that there's no one else there to do that right now. The judge notes that while everybody else has gone home, he needs to try this himself. So Ample lays on the bed, and the judge grabs and licks and sucks Ample's ample breasts Mm -hmm. for a bit before pulling out his hog and first placing it between her breasts for a moment and then in Ample's mouth. He then begins to go back and forth between putting his cock in her mouth and in between her breasts. This goes on for a few minutes, and after a while, he comes on Ample's face and neck. Yes, it's a kind of a weird-looking, like, tit-fucking scene. Yeah. Some of it's off. I'm also going to make a note here that this film has a lot of ball-sucking. It does have a lot of ball-sucking. I think in all three of, like, the primary, like, oral scenes so far, it's been included. It's good to know. It's good attention to detail. Yes. Edwin Brown really put a film together. Um, the music in the scene is too much Jews harp, which is the ding ding the little twangy oh, yeah. thing going off the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of it. <laughs> That's a, just a minor note. The narrator says that eventually three finalists were chosen and the Sultan himself would be the final judge. So first, there was Lady Vivian, who bribed her way into the finals. It's noted she was rich and could show the Sultan true decadence. So we're introduced to Lady Vivian, played by Kelly Richards. She invites the Sultan to a party uh, that she describes as a small get-together. Though I think it's at his place she's setting up the party. Yeah, she's just having him come over. Gotcha, yeah. She's just inviting some friends over. So... Skydive in. We then immediately cut to an orgy happening all around the Sultan. Yeah. Who is just kind of laying in the middle and uh, bored. (laughs) Have you noticed that even though it's uh, supposed to be, I believe, Scheherazade narrating this, there's a man narrating the film? There is a man narrating the film, yes. (laughs) Okay. Just wanted to uh, bring that up. That seems like a discrepancy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We uh, get some cutaways from him to penetration and reaction shots from the party guests. In the room, we have Joey Silvera and Nina Hartley, along with uh, Lady Vivian, who had just been introduced. Uh, Bunny Blue and Christara Barrington are here from earlier. Uh, Joey Silvera is fucking a shaved Nina Hartley doggy style, as Vivian is licking Nina's clit from below. This continues for a bit, and eventually he pulls out and comes on Lady Vivian's face and in her mouth with a pretty heavy load. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady Vivian then moves on to uh, a guy played by Steve Drake. Right. Most of these, like most of the people in this movie, don't actually have character names. No, they do not. So Steve Drake starts to suck on Lady Vivian's tits. Uh, We cut away to a bunch of sucking and fucking around the room with uh, Vivian stroking and sucking Steve as Christara Barrington is uh, going down on Alexis Graco. Eventually, Alexis and Vivian work Steve's cock until he finishes off onto Alexis's face. Alexis continues to suck and stroke Steve's cock. 
The Sultan gets up, being totally uninvolved in all of this, and seems to be trying to leave, but Lady Vivian stops him and tells him to loosen up. She suggests that they try something different. So then we cut to her on the lap of a character played by Chris Chase. Okay. Uh, she is uh, sitting on his cock, and uh, Vivian says that the Sultan is going to fuck her in the ass while Chris is inside her as well. All right. A little DP situation. Hell yeah. So the Sultan does as suggested and gets behind Lady Vivian and penetrates her anally. Hell yeah. Uh, they go through a lot of pains in this movie to not show off the butterfly tattoo. You're right. Yeah. Like, you never see him, like, pounding away in a position where you can <laughs> where can be viewed. Which does seem to be, like, the one detail they were consistent about as far as, like, uh, I guess the period setting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as this is going on, the rest of the party guests are watching them. Uh, we get Joey Silvera and Alexis Greco, like, sloppily drinking wine. They're spilling it all over each other. That's the best way to drink wine. Real messy... The narrator notes that the Sultan at first really enjoyed this kinky behavior. Uh, we watch this DP continue for a bit, and after a while the Sultan pulls out and comes all over Lady Vivian's ass and also Chris Chase's shaft and balls. Yes. Chris then pulls out and comes immediately after, and we see some nice frothy glazed holes on a... Uh, on display. On display, yes. Full display. It's like the Duncans. <laughs> the holes are on display at Duncan's. Yeah, my, gla my glazed holes. <laughs> we cut to some people riding camels in the desert, and we're told that Lady Vivian invited the party back to her place. So we see the Sultan alone, and his room is wrecked from the orgy that uh, Lady Vivian brought over. He says, There must be more to life than this. Then we cut to him tied to a table. Uh, we see a woman in an open-breasted corset with a whip. Uh, this is Mistress Alita, played by Karen Bree. Uh, we also see another woman in a collar chained to the wall and bent over a stool. Uh, this is Leia, played by Jennifer Knox, although we don't see her face for a bit. Mm. We're told that Alita is the second finalist in this. She came from a military family. It's noted that the Sultan needed to follow the rules and see what each lady had to offer. So he had to agree to do whatever each lady wanted to do to show off her talents. Yeah, that's. I guess that's how you would do the contest. Yeah, you gotta make sure to give it a real shot. Mm -hmm. She puts on a little Enigma, some Gregorian chants, and some, yeah. <laughs> some nice bops. Those are not Arabian. No. <laughs> Alita tells, the Alita tells the Sultan he needs to be trained to be her slave. She ensures that he's going to call her mistress. She points at this silly little thing he has sticking out. His cock. Yeah. Uh, which he apologizes for and says he can't help it. She asks if he wants her to play with it, and he does, but she says she won't. She asks if he jerks it off, which he admits he does. And she says, that's a naughty thing to do. Alita then unchains Leia, the girl she brought with her, and unhoods her. She tells the Sultan to show them. By that she means for him to jerk off. 
She also tells Leia that she has to watch as she's looking away at first. The Sultan starts stroking, and Alita, after a moment, tells him he's going too fast and stops him, chaining his hand back up afterwards. She explains Leia came to her asking to be trained. She notes if she wanted to be nice, she could lend Leia to the Sultan. Alita stops and plays with Leia's clit for a moment, noting that she's always wet. Alita tells the Sultan that he must earn it the old-fashioned way, so Alita straddles the Sultan's face and tells him to lick, giving commands to go faster. Leia leans in and licks and sucks on Alita's nipples. Then after a bit, Mistress Alita has Leia mount the Sultan's cock, but only the tip. The Sultan begs to put more in, and Mistress Alita slowly has Leia put a little bit more in at a time. Mm-hmm. She commands the Sultan to lick faster. After a bit, Leia is slowly but fully riding his cock as the Sultan continues to go down on Alita. This continues for a few minutes, and eventually Leia dismounts and Alita strokes the Sultan to finish him off. We then cut to the next night when the Sultan meets the third contestant. This is Scheherazade. The narrator explains that Scheherazade had a unique gift, the gift of imagination. She asks to show the Sultan a family treasure and leads him to a mirror, which she reveals pulling a cloth from over it. She explains it was a gift given to her grandfather, Sinbad. Oh. The Sultan says... We were talking about him earlier. Yes, we were. The Sultan says he's never heard of Sinbad, but Scheherazade says he will. She explains that the mirror was a gift from a genie, and it's said to have magical powers. The Sultan notes it looks ordinary to him, but Scheherazade says the legend is that if you make love in front of the mirror, you'll fall in love. Scheherazade then drops her clothes on the floor and asks if he'd like to try. The Sultan notes that he must oblige with her wishes. That's the rules of the contest. They start making out and caressing. The narrator notes that it was in fact an ordinary mirror and the legend came from Scheherazade's mind. The Sultan spends some time jumbling her breasts as the two stare directly into the camera. Yeah. I gotta say, though, it's not really creativity. She's just lying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She just lied about this mirror that she brought with her. Like, I don't know. That's okay in society now. Right? Lying's okay again. Write a tale about a mirror that makes you fall in love and spin a yarn about that. You can't just lie about the mirror. (laughs) It ain't right. (laughs) You're right. It isn't right. There are several close-ups of the Sultan fingering Scheherazade from behind. Jumbling her breasts all about. Yeah, and uh, we cut to some standing doggy via close-up penetration shot with uh, cutaways to them again staring at the camera while fucking. Yeah, it's the mirror. After, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. After a couple of minutes, uh, I guess he comes inside her because we don't see him coming, but we see the reaction. That's love. That is love. Love is not pulling out. Yeah. (laughs) We then cut to Scheherazade talking to the camera, as she did at the very beginning. She explains how she became the Sultan's consort. She says if she had the time, she'd love to tell us one of those tales. 
But perhaps another time. Why even bring it up? Credits. <laughs> <laughs> and that was A Thousand and One Erotic Nights Part 2. The Forbidden Tales. The Forbidden Tales. The Legend of the Forbidden Tales. Yeah, Legends of the Forbidden Tales. That was on Nickelodeon, right? Yes. They had to cancel because those guards kept grabbing kids. <laughs> yes. Uh, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our thoughts on A Thousand and One Erotic Nights, Part 2, The Forbidden Tales. Next. So, your sisters, is that true? Yes, Your Honor. We've always been sisters. I see. Hmm. Which one of you is older? She I is. Am. She is. Well, then. Why are you here? To be the Sultan's consorts. It'd be the greatest honor of our lives. We love the Sultan. We want to help. Wants to help. You girls are a credit to your country. You really are. Both charming young women, credit to your country. I was looking at the internet adult film database and what they have listed for the synopsis which has to be some sort of ad copy or maybe the back of the home video release but it says from the makers of the original 1001 erotic nights comes an even more lusty and lavish sequel introducing the erotic sensation karen brie in her only x-rated starring role a huge star-studded cast and even bigger budget Make this epic a must for every video collection. It's just a bald-faced lie. Yeah, there's no way this had a bigger budget than the first one. Absolutely not. None of the sets were dressed, really. It was mostly like this white room that had like a few things in it. I did kind of like that like for like a minimalist design. But yeah, the budget... Uh... The sets were definitely not as lavish or uh, as well-constructed as the original. Yeah, for so, all that film's problems, it had a bigger budget. Right. No, uh, I mean, and I guess we're going to get into this here in a second anyway, yeah. but I would say that aesthetically, like, if you're going to have a minimalist thing because you don't have a budget, I think they did a good job at doing that. But uh, to claim that it, this is a bigger budget film has to be a lie. What if it was just because of, like, inflation? Man, inflation is fucking me right now. Yeah, you've been destroyed. It's, it's bad. Is I, it? Well, no, it's not bad like I can't pay my bills. It's more like bad like, man, I was pre-ordering Blu-rays two months ahead of time all the time, and now I haven't only been able half, to pre-order anything. Only half the time. Only Yeah, only half of the stuff that I want to buy I'm buying now, and it's miserable. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Economic woes. <laughs> it hurts us all. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. No, uh, but you know, a thousand and one erotic nights part two did what it could, I guess. But uh, what do you think about it? It's definitely not a sequel that exceeds the original, like uh, say a Devil and Miss Jones two, okay, or yeah. uh, you know something like that. But. Uh, it's a pretty interesting little film for what it is, uh, especially for an entry so late into the 80s, uh, to still have focus on uh, somewhat of a story. is uh, It's pretty nice. 
Yeah. I would say, uh, for the most part, it's kind of a downgrade in terms of most things. Um, obviously, it's great to have Jamie Gillis in there as a uh, judge, but beyond that, you have kind of an unknown in Carrie Lake who doesn't really get to do much in uh, a story ostensibly about her, and she doesn't get to narrate the tale either. Well, the thing is, these aren't her 1001 erotic tales. They, in fact, but she comes... are not, she does not tell one no, of she the doesn't. Uh, Arabian tales or whatever. She doesn't tell shit, but, but she comes in at the at the beginning and the end, like she is the narrator. Right. But she doesn't narrate it. Uh, so this film, I think, is more... I feel like it's definitely a bit more slapdash than the original in terms yeah. of tossing it all together. I think quite a few things were reused down to uh, the setup with uh, the con and his court magician just kind of devising something at the beginning that sets the rest of the film Oh yeah, yeah. into motion. Uh the twin sisters or the sisters was kind of a repeat of yeah that uh, like there's just and there's just sort of echoes of that like throughout the whole film including literally like an appearance from John Martin who was in the first film yeah <laughs> uh, so I would say yeah it definitely doesn't surpass the original but it's still overall a pretty fun film uh, I think there's some really great sex in it uh, I like a lot of the camera work during the sex scenes capturing a lot of interesting angles those extreme close-ups yeah a lot of nice ball looking type stuff going on a uh, little anal scene to spice things up yeah uh, an orgy that's actually pretty good and easy to follow yeah 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 Yeah. so i would say the selling point in this one is definitely more the sex than the uh theme of the story like the framing device of it being like arabian nights right uh it definitely feels more like it was thrown together over like maybe like a weekend or two Right. Versus uh, the level of craftsmanship in the original. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I had a good time with it. I don't really have any like specific complaints about it besides like the kind of goofy ones I've voiced about her just lying and uh, the narration and everything. Right. Uh, I would give it a solid three. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it, but uh, there was a chance it could have been a little bit more. Uh, but for what it is, it's not bad. It's, it's a good way to spend your time, and it's uh, it's good if you're just going to watch the complete works of Jamie Gillis. You could do a lot worse. Yeah. 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 Uh, I also enjoyed this film, um, but again, it's a it's a good example of what was happening in the adult film market of the '80s. Um, <laughs> not only do we have the fact that the budgets were starting to drop here, and uh, all of that, but we also see kind of the trends in porn of the time as well, where we start to see more sex and less focus on narrative. Yeah. The first film had a lot going for it as far as like it being a framing device for erotic tales. It it like makes sense. It's kind of what you expect from Yeah, and there's a little more setup to everything, like Yeah. You have John Leslie or his double riding horseback across the beaches and <laughs> spying on uh, Leslie DeLeo and I think Herschel Savage getting it on. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. So it just had more of an epic scope to it than this one does, which I think suits this material better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, what, that's my uh, interjection. 
I would say that I don't feel like you really get to like the characters. No, there's not really, like, kind of... Like, Francois, you could, like, a little bit get some empathy for, because, like, he's... But his his entire, like, character arc is that he's bored. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So it's not even, like... They don't take the time to, like, have him express, like depression really yeah any he, he only just said that he was bored and appears to be bored in the middle of an orgy yeah and bored while he's getting tied up yeah <laughs> and maybe a little bored while maybe a little less bored when he's banging in front of a mirror right uh, <laughs> um but i do agree that the sex in this film is really good mm-hmm. uh i like it quite a bit uh i really like the uh the Karen Bree, Jennifer Knox, Francois scene that where he's tied up and all of that. Yeah, that was really good. That was yeah. really well done. Uh, the the orgy was pretty good. The DP yeah. coming out of that. There were just enough people in there that it was still easy enough to follow. It's not like one of those ones where you. I think people have a certain point where, after like I think we've maybe discussed this a little bit where after a certain amount of like bodies in an orgy, it just becomes like an indistinguishable uh, flush pile. Right. But uh, in this case, they just had, I think, like three or four other people and then cut some other people in later. So it remained manageable and therefore uh, pretty pleasant. Yeah, it was it was a good time. And I would also say that the sex scenes don't go on for too long, uh, which is something that starts to happen when you make a film that's like uh, less narratively focused and more... Uh, heavy on the sex scenes right yeah. they did a good job of having several sex scenes that don't go on for a huge amount of time no yeah they're just nice little uh for there not to be like a central like necessarily driving narrative it does maintain the, a nice forward momentum because i think yeah the scenes change pretty often uh-huh so i think that's that's something it does have going for it and like you said they're shot very well as well yeah uh, yeah we're going to be We've been covering a lot of more uh, modern movies on Patreon. Yeah. I think we've maybe done one or two on the show recently, but like... Yeah, we did Top Guns. Yeah, we did Top Guns Guns recently. Um, But as we watch more and more of it, the thing about the movies once we get into the video era is that the sex scenes are designed... Uh, it seems more for people to just masturbate to than for it to be like watchable as a movie. Yeah, definitely. They get longer in length, but that length isn't, it's not additional narrative. It's just, uh, it's not even additional sex scenes, really. It's just like the same scenes, but they just go on longer. Yeah, it's going to be a 40-minute sex scene. Well, we had one of those in Oriental Babysitter, so... <laughs> that is true. not entirely a modern problem, I guess. No, but it, we see that it was the a can- lot less back then. That was the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> That's when everyone should have got out. <laughs> <laughs> Oriental Babysitter, the yeah. canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to write a, like, a little thesis on that, a little doctoral <laughs> thesis. I love that. This is the sort of stuff that the Raincoat Institute was founded for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trends in pornographic uh, development is what I'm calling this field. Yes. I'm calling this like sub subfield I've created where, uh, as you can see, as time goes on, you see that the length of the sex scene axis rise. <laughs> and then you see them, eventually they cross somewhere probably in like 
1983. Okay. But then the story one just kind of keeps going down and the sex one just goes up. There's slight bumps in the story as we hit the early 2000s, but it's a a long way to the top if you want to drink some brown. (laughs) I I love this uh, academic work of yours. Thank you. I've been doing a lot of academic work lately. (laughs) A lot of posts. But uh, there are definitely modern examples of uh, sex films with good cinematography. Mm -hmm. But I do see a lot where there's just... The shots are just kind of either totally static... Mm-hmm. Or they like move a lot because somebody's just handheld and waving the camera around everywhere. Yeah, uh, which is not great. No, um, not you, cinematic. No, are, but, are you um, are you reviewing this movie or our Patreon episode for this week? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. But <laughs> uh, the the point is that. Uh, perhaps it is comparing it to a film we may talk about on Patreon, but um, it makes me appreciate how good the cinematography is in this, despite being what appears to be for the film era, Mm -hmm. a lower budget film. Yeah. Uh, A lower budget film with stars. I guess a mid budget film probably, but a a mid budget film that would have been bigger budget a couple years earlier and was. It's a porn B film. Yes. You know? But uh, it was, it was fun to watch because the sex was good and Mm -hmm. uh, never overstayed its welcome. And, you know, the story stuff that was there was serviceable. I will say that, as we were kind of touching on before, Francois is the only character that you get any level of empathy for. And yeah. Like, even Shahrazad, you would think, would be, like, somebody you'd be cheering for. But right. you see her as an introduction, and then never again until the last scene of the movie. Right, yeah, that's a problem. Like, in the first one, like, Annette Haven was, you know, weaving tales throughout the film to uh, to seduce and uh, delight. Yes. And this and one, we don't. No. We get some guy mansplaining it to us. <laughs> talking over a woman as usual. <laughs> uh, and it, just, it just didn't hit the same, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. three stars. Yeah, that seems just about right. Yeah, I like uh, I like three stars. When I heard you say three stars, I was like, clicked. I was already given three stars. Yeah, it and just clicked, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. You should watch the double feature of the two movies. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome put it out. It's a double feature. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I think that would be good as like a back to back thing. It's a nice compare and contrast. And since the second one is still fun, it's not like you're wasting your time on something like dreadful. Right, and yeah. I guess the fact that they like went a different direction with the story anyway. Uh, helps it as a double feature because it's not like the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not back-to-back, just more tales of Scheherazade. Yeah. So, viewed in that context, it works just fine. Yeah. On its own, it's just all right. And you know? You know what else is all right? What? We're not banned on Twitter anymore. (laughs) And you can reach us there at Raincoat Report, also on Instagram. For $5 a month, you can check out our Patreon, 
Uh, you get two extra episodes a month. Ad-free episodes, I believe. Yes. Early access. Yes. Uh, days. Days ahead. You could, when you're talking to your friends, they'd be like, you hear that new raincoat drop, and they're like, no, I don't. And we're like, well, maybe you should get the Patreon. Maybe you would, <laughs> we could talk about it now. I don't have to wait two days when it's gone from my mind. <laughs> so, you know, encourage your friends. Uh, rate, like, subscribe. Do we people subscribe? Yes, they subscribe. Do they? Do we have a newsletter? Uh, not yet. Does Patreon send out little notes when an episode comes out? Yes, it does. It Good says enough. Raincoat Report just dropped some new filth. Excellent. That's perfect. Uh, well, that's our social media, right? I think so, unless you've added anything. No. I haven't. No, I've been been dormant. Been making the posts later than normal, and not as many. Yeah, I. Uh, we've been. It's whatever. I need to actually fucking buy a laptop instead of just telling you i'm going to <laughs> never doing it uh yeah that would like, be nice but <laughs> we're putting the burden on you give me yours no it's nice though i know that's why i don't want to give it to you oh it's mine okay. well if you want to help us buy a new laptop or a soundboard even uh toss us a little change on patreon it keeps us it keeps us fed Oh, also on social media. I don't think it feeds us. Yes. I need to. I need to start using. I, I created a raincoat report Pornhub account. Oh yeah, we yeah. should try to get people to friend us on Pornhub. Yeah, we're gonna make some Pornhub friends. Uh, I don't. I mean, we don't do anything with that account. Uh, maybe we'll make playlists for the uh, Patreon Pornhub Roulette episodes. Yeah, and this week on Patreon, we're doing another. Something Wicked This Way Comes? Yes. Yes. Another uh, Wicked Pictures film. Yeah. This one is a, uh, a surprising uh, send-up of an 80s horror classic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I can say for now. All right. Well, that's good enough for now. We'll uh, see you guys later. Yep. Uh, and if you're on Pornhub cruising, trying to make friends, don't forget your raincoat. Yes. <laughs> And that, my lords and ladies, is the story of how I became consort to the Sultan. For the next 1,001 nights, I told the great Khan stories. If we had the time, I would love to tell you one of these tales. But perhaps another time. Mm-hmm.